Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we gather from all of these different places on a Sunday morning. Places of deep, deep faith forged through difficult circumstances. Places of lots of questions accumulating because of the circumstances. Places of sadness and joy, success and failure, hope and despair. We come from all of these places. And so I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be acceptable to you. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Isn't this fun? Yeah. <laughs> this is my friend Greta. Uh, Greta is awesome. She graduated from Hope in May. She hails from Spring Lake, and one week from today, literally 168 hours from now, she will rise on the wings of the morning and settle on the farthest limits of the sea. She's moving to Hawaii. <laughs> That's true. Uh, life is hard uh, post-grad. Uh, she's a pillarite. She's been a part of our community for a long time. Uh, when we end a service, more often than not, a service on a Sunday morning, you'll hear me or someone else say, you're about to enter every sector of public life to claim it for Christ. Greta is going to serve as a nurse in a clinic caring for underprivileged people in Hawaii. I wonder where you're going to go this week. Uh, Abraham Kuyper, the Dutch Reformed theologian, says, There's not a square inch over the whole of the human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign, does not cry, Mine. Don't you love that? Kuyper only saying poignantly what Christians have been announcing for 2,000 years. I like the way Leslie Newbegin puts it in a book, The Gospel in a Pluralist Society. Greta's going to read it for you. If the gospel is to challenge the public life of our society, it will not be by forming a Christian political party or by aggressive propaganda campaigns. It will only be by movements that begin with the local congregation in which the reality of the new creation is present, known, and experienced, and from which men and women will go into every sector of public life to claim it for Christ, to unmask the illusions which have remained hidden, and to expose all areas of public life to the illumination of the gospel. But that will only happen as and when local congregations renounce an introverted concern for their own life and recognize that they exist for the sake of those who are not members as sign, instrument, and foretaste of God's redeeming grace for the whole life of society. Yeah, right? Come on. Let's be that. Let's do that. Let's recognize ourselves as sign, instrument, and foretaste of God's redeeming grace for the whole life of society. That's why we're here. That's what we're about. Sent and gathered. Gathered and sent. That's what we do. Let's do that. So I'm, I'm making the last point of the sermon right now. This sermon, it's going to be long. It's going to be tedious. It's going to be theologically sophisticated. It's going to be exceptionally boring. The last point is we participate. We participate with God in his redeeming grace for the whole life of society. 
So let's do that. I wanted Greta to read, one, because she's awesome. Two, because I wanted us to remember who we are. We are a people that gather on Sunday mornings and then go all over the world into every sector of public life. Uh, And I want us to remember to pray for her and for all kinds of people who meet with us for a short time and then go elsewhere. So, Greta, you're awesome. We love you. We're going to pray for you. Can we thank her, please? So I've already made the last point of the sermon. It's now the first point of the sermon. The point being, we want to get to the table as soon as possible. Uh, I want you to listen to a story uh, with me this morning. It's a true story. It's a good story. Uh, We're going to enter the story as it's already being told, so let me catch you up. Uh, God made the world. That's what Christians think. God made it. He spoke it into existence. He whispered and mountains emerged. Something sad and tragic happened. We call that the fall. And people have been stumbling and tripping all over themselves ever since. But God, unwilling to allow us only to stumble and trip, first sent an ark to Noah and then a child for Abraham and Sarah, a ram for Isaac, a wrestle with Jacob, a dream for Joseph, and then Moses. Moses. God had made good on his promise to his people to make the Israelites as many as the grains of sand on the seashore. So the Israelites, though in Egypt, had emerged as large in number. What was their blessing was also a threat to another, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, who then began to crush the Israelites under the weight of his fury. He buried them under work and whips and then Moses. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. The bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Moses said, I must turn aside and see this great sight, the bush that's blazing but is not consumed. And when God saw that Moses turned to see, God called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And God said, come no closer. Remove your sandals, for the ground on which you are standing is holy God said further, I am the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Abraham hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. God said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I've heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their suffering And I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians, to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites and the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Indeed, the cry of my people has come to me, and I see how the Egyptians oppress them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And and Moses said to God, Who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the people out of Egypt. And God said, I'll be with you, 
And this will be the sign that it is I who sent you. When you bring my people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said, if I go and say to, to your people, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask, what's his name? What shall I tell them? And God said, I am who I am. Tell them I am sent me to you. Thus you shall say to the Israelites, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has heard your cry and will bring you up out of that land. Go and assemble the elders of Israel and tell them, I've heard their cry. You and the elders, go to the king of Egypt and say, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Let us go now a three days journey into the wilderness to sacrifice to our Lord. I know, however, he will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and do in Egypt all the wonders that I will perform in it, and then he will let you go. I will bring you into such favor with the Egyptians that your women will ask their neighbors and any woman living in a neighbor's house for jewelry of gold and silver and clothing, and you shall put clothes on your sons and on your daughters, and so you shall plunder the Egyptians." This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be, Thanks be to God. It's Exodus 3. It's a decisive moment in the unfolding story of God's salvation. A couple of things in it I want you to notice about God. First of all, he just won't quit. <laughs> he just keeps showing up. He's unrelenting in his commitment to save and redeem and reconcile all things. Exodus 3, verse 2, There the angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in a flame of fire out of a bush. There the Lord appeared to... Four Sundays in a row as we've been leapfrogging our way through the Old Testament, God keeps showing up. Genesis 2, the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground. Genesis 18, the Lord appeared to Abram by the oaks of Mamre in the heat of the day. Genesis 32, I saw the face of God and was delivered. Now Exodus 3, there the Lord appeared to Moses in a flame of fire out of a bush. He just keeps showing up. He refuses to quit. Adam and Eve commit the first act of disobedience. God shows up anyway. Abraham panders his wife Sarah to save his own hide. God shows up anyway. Jacob is a thief. Joseph is a pout. Moses is a murderer. God shows up anyway. He just won't stop until it's all right, until it's all new. So we can be honest about ourselves. I mean, if, if ever there is a time in the week, I know, I know what happens on Sundays. We sort of like fake our way through the morning most of the time when engaging with, how are you? Oh, I'm great. How, how's the family? Oh, it's so good. It, shouldn't there be, if ever there were a place to be honest, isn't this the one? To be honest about who we are and who we're not, this, this, this extreme mix of gifts and capacities and skills and successes 
and weakness and insecurity and brokenness and failure. We're smart and kind of dumb. All of us, all at the same time. Sometimes we're full of faith. We're on fire. We pray without ceasing. Sometimes we haven't cracked the Bible in months or said a prayer except in the most dire of circumstances. It's all, we're all, all of this all of the time. We can be honest about ourselves. Am I only describing me or is this others too? Let's be honest about ourselves and let's also be honest about God. God shows up anyway. God shows up still. He is unrelenting. He shows up until finally one day everything is made right. Everything is made new. I like, have you heard of the Canons of Dort? That tender, kind confession of the Reformed tradition. Because of the remnants of sin dwelling in us, and also because of the temptations of the world and Satan, those who have been converted could not remain standing in grace if left to their own resources. But God is faithful, mercifully strengthening us in the grace once conferred on us and powerfully preserving us in it to the end. He just won't stop. He just won't quit. He just keeps showing up. The Lord appeared, an angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in a flame of fire. Now, that's the first thing I wanted you to notice about God. Here's the second thing. He's quite a bit more complicated than we first like to admit. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. Then he said, come no closer. Remove your sandals, for the ground on which you are standing is holy. Come no closer, God said. Sit down. Stop. If you come any closer, you might implode. If you get any nearer, you might incinerate. You might die. Maybe God's a little more complicated than we first like to admit. So there's this word, have you heard of this word anthropomorphism? Where we project out our own desires, call it God. That's the anthropomorphic part. We, we make God in our image. A 17th century philosopher, uh, Feuerbach, anybody heard the name Feuerbach? He wrote a really significant book titled The Essence of Christianity, even if it's not worth reading. He basically suggests Christians project out their own sensibilities and desires Call that God, and then watch that God work back on us to accomplish the things we wanted in the first place. So basically, God becomes a middle-aged, upper-middle-class, middle-aged white guy whose only goal is inclusivity. What if God's a little more complicated than that? What if God's more than just my projections of what I was hoping for? Come no closer. Remove your sandals. The same God in Jesus Christ who says, come to me and I'll give you rest is also the God who says, don't get any closer. He's just a little more complicated. Uh, 
I don't know if you know this, but every Tuesday and Thursday at noon, uh, the Pillar staff gathers to pray. It lasts about 15 minutes, and all of you are invited. We've been doing this for seven years, and I think like four of you have ever shown up. <laughs> it's, been, it's been rough this year. Of course, we've been displaced. Even if you wanted to come, there's not enough space for you. But when we get back into the building, there'll be all kinds of rooms. So Tuesdays and Thursdays at noon. About three years ago, we started praying through the Psalms. So one Psalm a day, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Uh, so we prayed them all. We've been through the entire Psalter, and now we're back on our, we even prayed Psalm 119. It took us forever. Uh, we've, we've prayed some of the best. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd. You, you recognize that one? Uh, he knit me together in my mother's womb. That's a, that's a great one. Uh, from the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Don't you love that one? We've prayed them all. We've prayed every one. You ready? This was an inspiring afternoon. Your hand will find out your enemies. Your right hand will find out those who hate you. You will make them like a fiery furnace when you appear. The Lord will swallow them up in his wrath and fire will consume them. Maybe he's a little more complicated than we first like to admit. Here's another one. I think this was my birthday. God will break you down forever. He will snatch and tear you from your tent. He will uproot you from the land of the living. Maybe he's just a little more complicated than we like to think. Maybe we ought to reimagine our image of God. Maybe he's not just out there to appease and pacify all of my desires. Uh, have you heard of Annie Dillard? I think you've heard this before. No offense to anybody. Uh, it is madness to wear ladies' straw hats and velvet hats to church. We should all be wearing crash helmets. Ushers should issue life preservers and signal flares. They should lash us to our pews, for the sleeping God may wake someday and take offense. Or the waking God may draw us out to where we can never return. Maybe a little more complicated? Here's the third thing I want you to notice about God. He is more complicated than we first like to admit, and he's also far more personal than you can ever imagine. So I, I'm not sure the first time I read this story, uh, but I remember the most significant time uh, I was reading this story, Exodus 3. It was about 20 years ago. Um, I was in a season of deep, deep sadness, diagnosably sad. Uh, I've told some of you this story, two forms of depression. People I loved were hurting. I was angry. Uh, confused. I didn't know really who I was. I didn't really know what I was doing. I had no idea where I was going. I was buried under the weight of like 9,000 med school rejections. And I was sad. So I took classes at the seminary. Oh, I was, I was working part-time for Parkway Electric uh, as summer help in the winter. Uh, so I got laid off. They don't need summer help in the winter. Uh, and I have no skills. That was another, another part of the problem. So I took classes at Western Seminary because I knew a couple folks who worked there, so the price was right. I was, uh, the first class I took was uh, Hebrew. And my task was to uh, translate from Hebrew into English this story. And you know how it is. 
uh, with, with the biblical languages. They're just more nuanced than any translation uh, actually lets, lets on. So I'm, I'm reading these lines. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I've heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their suffering. I've seen, I've heard, I know. I've seen, I've heard, I know. I've seen, I've heard, I know. Not like God was aware of something. Like I'd watch CNN, felt bad for a little while, and switched channels. But God experienced, God took on, I've seen, I've heard, I know. I've, he's far more personal than we could ever imagine. There's this wordplay going on in Exodus 3. I've seen, I've heard, I know, I've come down to bring them up. I've come down to bring them up. God comes down. God comes down to bring us up. Finally, one day in resurrection, but now here today out of anxiety, concern, fear, loneliness, sadness, he comes down to bring us up. And the full expression of his coming down is Jesus Christ. Christ who came down, he humbled himself. He became obedient to the point of death. He suffered and died only to rise again until one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Jesus Christ is Lord. He's far more personal than you can imagine. So I had a conversation with Jake Peacher uh, on Tuesday. Uh, Jake's a college student. His older brother, Andrew, was a part of Pillar when he was a Hope student. His older sister, Abby, was a part of Pillar when she was a Hope student. So Jake's been a part of Pillar for longer than he's been a part of Hope. He's not from around here. Uh, I have his permission to share uh, some of this story. Uh, We were together on the Adirondacks on Tuesday. He was... uh, sharing honestly with me some of the struggles he's known uh, in life. A circumstance uh, with a roommate left him terribly sad, uh, and a grimacing depression uh, brought him to his knees. So uh, he left. He dropped out. He dropped out of hope. Went went home thinking maybe the the safe confines of family will... um, lift him up out of the depression. Uh, didn't turn out to be the case. Um, he, during the day, he, he really couldn't get out of bed. Uh, and then at night, he was haunted, haunted by the voices, uh, terrified of what he might actually do to himself. Uh, so he admitted himself to the hospital. Uh, first, they gave him some meds. That didn't work. Turns out he has some really strange immunity to the drugs they were giving him that didn't really even touch him. They tried other things that may or may not have been helpful. He wasn't at all sure. Over time, uh, he, he did begin, the load began to, to lighten. Um, he came back to hope. Uh, it's not out of the woods by any stretch of the imagination, but it's lighter, if you know what I mean. Um, uh, we were talking on the lawn on Tuesday. He said something that I wanted you to hear. Um, the worst part of suffering, depression, you name it, is that it tries to tell you this is all there is. There is suffering, it's terrible, but it's not the end. The worst part of suffering, depression, you name it, is that it tries to tell you this is all there is, but it's not the end. God comes down 
God comes down to bring us up. And he wants you in on it. He wants you to participate. He's going to redeem all things, and he wants us to be in on it. This is the last point of the sermon I was trying to make first. He wants us to participate until that great day when everything is made new. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's come to the table. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you made the world. You made heaven and earth and everything in it. You preserve us, faithfully preserving us to the end. You've shown us the fullness of love by sending into the world your son, Jesus, who loves us and gave himself for us, who offered the perfect sacrifice on the cross for the sin of the whole world, who invites us to participate in the ongoing redeeming work you're accomplishing in the world. So send your spirit to nourish us at this table. Nourish us for participation. Meet us here. Come down again, Lord. Meet us here and bring us up. Bring us up for the good of the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.